John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today, my uh, guest is the David Weck, the inventor of the Bosu Ball and the Weck Method, and a bunch of crazy Instagram videos. Um, <clears throat> how are we doing today, uh, David? Oh, every day is a great day. Um, I've hit I've hit my stride in life, and um, so and I'm on a mission, and I ain't stopping. So, and I view this podcast as just another opportunity to talk to strong people. All right. right? So. This is, this is a perfect opportunity, and I love it. Cool. So um, <clears throat> as we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, the the BOSU ball was kind of your um, your first big innovation in, in fitness or strength training or whatever. Um, can you tell us how that came about? Yeah. Okay. So basically, I'm going to route back to the very beginning. I won't tell first year of cool story, so I'm gonna, I'll make it brief, but I'm going to give you a little background to it. So basically, I fell asleep standing up when I was six years old, and I don't even remember doing it. My father tells me the story, but I think what that did was that gave me a taste of like the true effortless power to find that vertical and basically float with it. And, you know, just just that feeling of effortless power. And so I've always been just drawn to effortless power. And when I train an athlete today, I say, look, we're going to learn effortless power, and then we're going to put maximum effort into effortless power, right? We're not going to grind away without finding the efficiency. Right. So basically that set the tone, I think, for this thing that I love. Uh, I played football in high school and college. That was my, you know, dream, and I loved it. Uh, I was only Division three, but, you know, I was a contributor, still got some records on the books at my college um, as a D-back. And then when I graduated college, I went to New York City to pursue acting. Like I didn't, I was, you know, it was either work at the bank and make a lot of money or, you know, do whatever the hell else. And I sort of said, all right, well, I'm going to be an actor, right? A little self-study and all that stuff. So I did that for 10 years. And in the process, living in New York City, I found rollerblading. And you want to talk about effortless power. New York City is a roller rink in and of itself. Like it's <laughs> paved everywhere, right? Yeah. And so I, I lived in these skates for six years. Like I literally didn't take them off. I'd go out on a Saturday night and you couldn't even tell I was wearing them. I was so good and I was just four taller. So um, what happened was the consequence of that is my feet got like baby weak. Like, I mean, they, they turned white and, you know, princess in a pea feet. <laughs> and when your feet are that weak... Now you got massive problems because whatever you got on top ain't going efficient to the ground. And so you get all this compensation happening up top to deal with the fact that your feet are pussy. And so if I didn't have the skates on, I was in trouble. And I hurt my lower back and I hurt it real bad and I couldn't get it better because my feet were so weak. And I didn't know back then like what it was. I just took a ton of painkillers to keep the, you know, to keep the drive alive. And, uh, and then, you know, one day after physical therapy ran out, I discovered the, this like large inflatable stability ball. And I was like, oh, okay, well, and I started to feel a little bit better and using the thing. And then I saw a guy named Paul check standing on the thing, squatting some barbell or something. I was like, huh, I'm going to stand on it. I didn't start squatting barbells, but I'm like, ah. so I start standing on this thing. And just by doing that, my feet start to get strong. And I don't even know what's happening at that point, but I know that if my pain is getting less and it's rapidly getting less, my feet are getting strong. And, and I, you know, I'm extreme. So whatever I do, I'm going to do extremely extreme. 
And so I, you know, I, I had a little 200 square foot apartment in New York City, and I had like seven of these things. I had to move them up onto the loft bed in the day and move them back down at night. And I just loved them. So, and, and so I started like doing more and more things aggressively, jumping on top of one, jumping from one to another. And then I started working the softer side, more of like that Tai Chi Feldenkrais stuff. And I was closing my eyes and tilting my head and, you know, really finding that, that, you know, super, super subtle balance. And I took a nasty fall. It was probably my fifth or sixth fall, but I took a nasty fall one night, flip, landed on it, did a flip, like started kicking my feet to make sure I could still control them. And that's when I said, okay, I'm done doing that, right? I'm not going to break my neck trying to feel better. So that night in my dilemma of like, how do I keep this training going? I thought, what if I cut the ball in half? And a instant after that, I was like, holy shit, this is my ticket. I'm a starving actor, personal trainer, and now I'm going to be rich because I'm going to sell millions of these things, right? And I just knew in that moment. So my, my life took an abrupt turn to say, okay, this is it. I worked my ass off here, and I got the golden ticket, right? I get to go to the chocolate factory. So that's what I did and worked my ass off, and I got it off into the air, and then I licensed it rather than build my own empire, so I had the most precious resource in the world, which was my time, and I got to a, uh, now, and then I had the goal, I had this objective of, I am going to master the subject of balance, but I'm going to direct it toward locomotion, so I have a specific objective that I can put the clock on, right, so I know with absolute certainty if I'm getting better or not at that process. And with the resources, I didn't have to, you know, tick the clock and I didn't have pressure to perform right now. So I got to go off to Chinese medical school in Asia and all this stuff and da, 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 da. And, you know, and, and I was a drinker back in the East Coast, you know, Saturday night, get obliterated, you know, outside of football, Friday night, Saturday night, get obliterated. Uh, college was more obliteration. And, you know, so that was my thing, just the, the pressure release. And when I come to West Coast, I discover pot. <laughs> pot just made me, it was, I'm pretty caffeinated to start. And pot made me like, I was, it was like methamphetamine or something. And it gave me sensitivity. And so if I was going to, like, I always wanted to have the kind of physical prowess that I could walk into a jail cell and, you know, meet some guy twice your size and say, okay, certain things are off limits, right? I'm not the wife, I'm not the husband, and I'm getting the bottom bump, you know. <laughs> like, and my only chance at doing that is the subtlety of not, you know, of yielding, because I can't overpower a guy who's just bigger, faster, stronger. And I got pretty good at that. So unless you're trained and you're a big guy, I'll actually push you around because you're not going to find me because I spent the 10,000 hours doing it. So anyway, that that's what the BOSU ball did. And, uh, you know, we've millions of those things and what what it enjoyed was it enjoyed the editorial advertisement meaning they're fucking everywhere so they're relevant right and what happens is in consumer products if you don't if you're not in a professional market then it disappears because the person buys your something at target and they stop using it in two weeks and now it's gone down the black hole and no one ever sees it again and so you get ab lounges and all these things that sold millions of things that are just, they disappear because they're no longer relevant. You no longer see them and nobody's pumping money into projecting them out there. So you do see because that train, you know, the, the, the ride is over. It ain't selling more of them. 
but the bosu ball is everywhere and so you just get like you know oh well it's in men's journal oh it's in shape oh it's on tv oh it's there it's here it's everywhere right and and so basically the relevancy of it keeps the sales going and you don't have to pump a ton of money into the marketing of it so it's this self-fulfilling evergreen that's going to sell forever so it gives you a lot of financial security and for me i am not mentally well unless my bank account is increasing like if, if it's decreasing then that is the number one priority for me is fix that problem right because right. i need to support my family so anyway that's the the long story of how the bosu ball came to be and sort of that entry and basically here's the deal with a bosu ball a bosu ball with the dome side up is a stable unstable surface and you me and everybody else who's conscious has a excitatory balance reflex that you know your body's not going to let you fall down but you know not falling down is a very low hurdle to cross so most people don't think about it one way or the other but when you can present a quote-unquote threat that is not threatening now your body can understand effortless power and what happens athletically is now you can learn how to boom relax and send that force down to the ground and if you're on an unstable, unstable, well, your nervous system's doing the opposite. Now you're getting all tense up top and you're not as fast in your reaction response. And then just like the ridiculous coordination of the feet and ankle strength. And if you talk to Donnie Thompson, what's the most important thing you can do is you have strong feet and a range of motion in your feet. And nothing does that better than a possible. So in that, you have the inherent value that even if you're bouncing down on it, you know, doing aerobics you're still getting that value right and so the inherent value that you can't market nobody's going to buy a bosu ball because it gives you better balance and makes your ankles strong they want to lose weight right so that inherent value has kept it alive and so in physical therapy and all these things and, and using it correctly meaning you're not doing you know silly things there's value and so the value is here it's real and it's here to stay so and then you can use it as a freaking strength training tool. And that this is where, like, this is this is the thing of significance that turns them into, you know, bullshit into fucking, you know, this is the shit. Because you have this elastic medium that you can compress. And if you think about it, you're strong, right? You're you're willing to do whatever it takes, including die, right, to get strong. And yeah. so if I take a posy dome and I set up the proper stance and I crush the living shit out of it, I'm going to come to a limit where I can crush it no more. Mm-hmm. And that resistance is elastic and it is at the limit where it matters. So every micro millimeter, you know, not at, at the limit is not giving you the stimulus that you want. And it's what we call faster. Because the acceleration of elastics is faster. Think a slingshot pointing at the ground and think gravity pointing at the ground. And so when you compress it into this three-dimensional medium and it's fighting you back faster than gravity, you're getting this center line strength where the transmission of that center line strength is through the skeleton. It's not like you're Suzanne Summers squeezing your thighs together. It's going through your bones. And it's faster. So what happens is you excite the nervous system. All of a sudden, the largest motor units are saying, hurry up, motherfucker. We got we to gotta fight this thing. And you get off and you're supercharged. And so if you do it with the right timing and you don't exhaust yourself, you're fucking primed. And so, and when guys like Donnie Thompson will say, yeah, this shit's real. And then guys like Marty Gallagher, the Iron Monk, say, yeah, this shit's real. Oh, 
every week I talk to Marty Gallagher and he's like, holy shit, David, <laughs> this is a weird kind of strong. So anyway, that's, that's my little thing to preface this conversation with. It's okay. You're talking to the Bosu guy. All right. It's okay. He's not a little pussy. He understands. <laughs> okay. He played football. He, he looks like a little pussy. <laughs> he can't bench press. He bench presses like a little pussy. <laughs> my elbow was destroyed anyway, but the guy is legit. He's not a little pussy. All right. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of the kickoff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, so you said, uh, you know, as long as the, you're not doing silly things on the BOSU ball and that, you, that you're using the ball um, correctly. Um, and, and then you talked about this elastic um, uh, resistance. So what would be a good example of a uh, correct way to use the BOSU ball for strength? Are you talking about, squatting on this on the ball or uh what would really be a good good way to you know break into this thing for strength training so the the single best way to use it as this excitatory prime that with with that unique directional force right so it's not just a 2d medium because if you go back far enough our ancestors were pressing to the center on that tree trunk Right, and they were wrapping around the branch, and it wasn't fucking two D, right? It was three D. You're compressing to the center line, okay? So it's a very important developmental stage in the hominid who got down on the ground carrying sticks and stones. But that we can get into that a little later. So what the best setup is? We have this undercarriage to the Bosu ball that lets you put an elastic band and loop that under it. And then you set up on the elite BOSU ball, which is a very, very rigid, or not rigid, but firm dome. And you set up with a, what we call a 45 stance, with feet turned out, your heels are closer together than you think they would be. And you crush the living shit out of it to the center line with your spine angle and your shin angle the same. And you do it through the fourth and fifth metatarsals and you don't grab with your toes and you're pulling up like a motherfucker on this elastic band. And you go to your limit, right? To your limit where it's like, okay, maybe when I come off this thing, I get that momentary, like, oh, blackout. <laughs> like, whoa, right? You know that place. Mm -hmm. So basically, when you do that, you don't do it for too long. You sort of set it up and you go, one, two, three, boom. And you snap that bound, band down. So you go from absolute 100% tension to zero. You come off. Now you got, you know, 60 seconds or so after the 15 seconds to recover where you're like, oh, fucking A, right? I can, I can put more into the squat, right? Or the deadlift. And so that is the single best way to use it. And if you did nothing else with it, it would justify itself, right? Because it's giving you faster, stronger force transmission through your body, right? Okay. And so, and, and the spine and shin angle matching what that does is it takes it out of the lower back. So you're not you're not putting the force to your lower back. You're below it. You're in the haunches. So you're in the ass. Well, I don't want to say it that way. So you're <laughs> you're in the glutes, right? You're not in the center, but you're you know on the meat, and you're in the upper hamstrings, and the force is being leveraged forward in the feet because you're right behind the toes is where you're squeezing. And so what it does in that respect is it's going to give you that micromillimeters better leverage, right? So, so you're able to get like, quote unquote, closer to the bar 
because your heel isn't behind you. Your heel is now, you know, right on your, right behind your toes. And it's sort of a subtle distinction. And, and somebody need not know any of this shit or care about it. If you just do it right, it happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's basically how it works and how a strong guy would say, fuck yeah, this thing works. And then the Donnie Thompson protocol where he takes two of them and he does just this simple stuff where it's like basically just at different ankle positions where you're increasing the range of motion. Again, if you have a better interface downstairs, well, now you can set up the upper stuff better, right? And Donnie Thompson swears by it, especially if you're strong in the sense that you got to, you know, jack a guy across the line of scrimmage strong. <laughs> then, then it really matters. So that's... That's how. That's the example of how someone strong would get the maximum utility out of a post ball. And then for upper body, you fucking crush it to the center line through through the outside heel of your hand. Now it's not right behind a finger, but it's at the base of the heel of the hand. You set that shit up. You put a little arch in your back, especially thoracic, right? And you crush the living shit out of it. And you don't go up full range of motion where your elbows would lock out. And now... You could take that kind of, that's not going to prime you. That's going to exhaust you. So you don't do that right before you bench press. Save that till after. And so you're going to crush the center line. And if you think about sort of this bend and break the bar, if you proceed that bend and break the bar with the wide grip, if you proceed that with a, with a sort of setup that comes to the center line where you're packing the back as far as you can, and then you spread it to your grip, You've got more micromillimeters. The pec is that much longer, right? The lats are that much more engaged. And again, it's just it's just a great way to do it. And it's evidenced by the fact that strong guys do this shit, the ones who know. So right. that's how it would apply to strength. <clears throat> cool. And uh, where do you – I don't think I've ever seen other than at, at um, Donnie Thompson's compound, I don't think I've seen the elite ball. Uh, where can you pick those up at? Uh, WECMethod.com because it's, you know, it costs us more to make. And so it's not a, a, you know, a product that is on the shelf at Target where you can buy it for a hundred bucks, you know, it's 200 bucks and it's uh, WECMethod.com. And, you know, in, in that regard, because there's subjectivity involved in it, right. You know, no matter what you say, some guys can say, Oh, that's not why that shit's bullshit. Right. So there's going to be resistance to anything that, you know, is quote unquote new. Um, you know, that's a slower process to, you know, to get the conversions, but, you know, ticking off the box with the, you know, with the guys at the top, the Donnie Thompson's and, and Marty Gallagher, Marty Gallagher, if you don't know who he is, you know, he, he's a storied guy, you know, Kurt Karwaski's 103 for two reps, guess who helped get him there, right? You right. know, and that's not suited up. That's Kurt Karwaski. And after my favorite part of that lift was, I want to hold it. I want to hold it. <laughs> we ain't walking this shit in yet. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got knee wraps on. That's it. Nothing else. Yeah. So, you know, and that's Marty Gallagher under the stewardship of Marty Gallagher. Right. So, and Marty Gallagher is, is doing this shit. He's exploring it outside of the prime. So he's exploring it as a training stimulus that doesn't immediately precede the lift as well. He's, he's, he's doing it as like, oh, if we do this sort of like long sustained effort that, you know, you can't go no more. And what he does that I think is brilliant and I've adopted the technique is he goes the hardest of the hard 
and then with the softest of the soft and then the hardest of the hard again. And so by cycling that, what ends up happening is you get maximum recruitment. And now when you go to soft, you lengthen the, the belly of the muscle inside the connective tissue. And then by slowly ratcheting up the hardest of the heart again, you've created a longer, stronger. So what you want to do, you got to harness your connective tissue if you're going to be your best, right? If the muscle belly is short, well, then you, you have slack in the system and you can't lift as much, right? And you're more prone to injury and all that other stuff. So Marty's exploring that. And what will end up happening is that, you know, the CrossFits are going to have BOSU elites and, you know, the strong guys are going to have BOSU elites because if it works, well, <laughs> you know, then you do it, right? And pink panties, I say if pink panties worked, I would have eight pairs so that I could be lazy <laughs> and miss fucking Sunday laundry and then still have them on Monday, right? Because <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> right. So if uh, <clears throat> if you pick up a BOSU elite from uh, the WEC Method website, um, where can you go to uh, find more about these methods and, and get um, instruction? Uh, we got, yeah, we got, we got that training information on WECmethod.com. So you can look and, okay, well, here's the compression setup. Here's how you do it. And then what we're in the process of doing is sort of adding to and augmenting the website given the fact that, like, it's the WEC method is fully codified itself into a method. And the number one sort of uh, the, 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 the foundation of what WEC method is built upon is something called the cooling core training. And the coiling core training is not modality specific. You can do it with body weight. So it's not some guy with a gadget trying to bullshit you to buy his shit. It's no, you do this shit and see if it works for yourself, right? And if it works, you're going to do it. And if it doesn't, well, you're not, but guess what? It works. And it happens to be because it's the center of the bullseye when it comes to sort of the distilled essence of what creates the most powerful, efficient locomotion is this coiling core training, you're getting into the deep, the deepest portions of the lats, the connective tissue of the lats that is below the origin of the ribs. And so, especially if you're strong, you got to do a little prep work before you hit that because you're going to cramp like a motherfucker because you ain't never been that deep. And if you want to think about like a bilateral brace, if you only practice a bilateral brace, well, then you're leaving fucking range of motion on the table. But if you go ipsilateral and you crank that motherfucker as as hard and as far as you can, based on this simple formula that, that you got to keep the central axis central, and that's the side of your body at the ninth rib, that doesn't move. And then you bring your shoulder down and back and your same side hip up and forward. And there's exercises that are simple to set up, but they got to be absolutely precise. You're going to get this depth of strength. That makes you faster. You can swing a bat harder. You can throw a ball harder. You and now you can bilaterally brace better because you've been there one side at a time. And so when you go to do them both together in that sort of more than neutral position, from a you know from a, there's no side bending involved, you get deeper, right? And now if you're at 594 on the squat, well, guess what? Now you're at 690, or now you're at 604 or 605 or whatever the number is. Right. Because it gives you that advantage in that edge. And that is the foundation of WEC method. So everything's built on that concept because it is 
the, the most time efficient, energy efficient, press the fucking button in the center of the bullseye, you get a positive result and you can do a set in less than a minute. Both sides. It's just you set it up, that's the time to set it up, and then you go one, two, three, done with that side. All right, let's come out of it slow. Let's get the other side. Motherfucker, I'm stronger. So that's basically the, you know, sort of the heart of it. And then we have the, the, the pulsing, right? These propulse trainers. And that's the thing that lets me stand on the center of the board saying, hey, fuck you, faster is faster. If you don't want to do it, well, then you won't be as fast. So, and that's empirical. There's no subjectivity involved in that. Because if we put them in your hands and we clock you, you are faster than if we take them out of your hands. <laughs> and the uh-huh. training effect makes you faster than you were before you trained. Right. And the only way to truly test speed is, you know, himself or herself over himself or herself, because you say bulk could run backward and beat me in a race. So, you know, you can't really evaluate technique that way. But if you could take the same person and you say you do whatever you want to do to run your fastest right now, now come over to me and I'll, I'll spend you know less than a week with you and you're faster than you were doing all the other things you did. Right. So that's the ace in that's the ace in my hand that completes the royal flush without any wild cards because gravity there's no cheating right that's the truth and because I have that people are willing to make the leap of faith that this other subjective stuff hey this guy might just know what he's talking about you know he changed the game in locomotion objectively speaking you can run faster with weights in your hands than you than you can without holy shit that's that's a concept that, you know, is impossible, but it's not. And it feels a shit ton better, too. For the guy for the guy who doesn't run, he's like, well, running doesn't suck all of a sudden. I don't even need to stretch or warm up because I'm not using my muscles to run now. I'm using my connective tissue. I'm sending a jolt of force through my body that it's like the muscle is just a pressure system now. It's not like elongating and contracting while I spend forever on the ground. It's like boing, boing, boing. And you run like Deion Sanders or Randy Moss or Lawrence Taylor or Daryl Green or, you know, any of these guys who are the gifted big cats who did that naturally, despite the fact that the coaches were coaching them out of it. Sit on your butt and swing your arms 90-90 and brace your core and keep your head in the middle. Like that's, that's the doctrine or the gospel right now, the dogma. And it's like, wait a minute, nobody does that. If you do that, you're the clunky white guy who doesn't make the team, <laughs> you know, so – <laughs> you know, and the, and the pay scale is a lot different when you're, you know, when you're in the NFL versus not. So that the information on WECMethod.com and it's all sort of coming with great, it, it, you can get it now and you'll be effective. But what we're doing is we're creating WEC method qualification that is basically sort of a credential that you're going to need to know. So if you don't even know coiling core, how to successfully administer it, and troubleshoot it when it's not working, right? Because here's how we test it. Did it work? And if the answer is, I don't know, the answer is a definitive no, okay? Because you're either pregnant or you're not. You, you know when you know. And if the answer is, well, I don't know if it works. Well, okay, we need to troubleshoot that and fix the problem immediately. Because if we can never get to a yes, did it work? Well, then abandon it. You're wasting your time, right? I mean, it right. just doesn't make sense. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And the fact that it works when you do it properly, universally, because we all 
have the same, you know, you walk to the squat rack. Even if you have to sort of teeter-totter because you're so wrapped up, you're still walking to the squat rack, right? So it's universal, that function. And when you optimize that function, you have a carryover to every other function. Right. Do all that that make sense? Yeah. So one of the things that kind of interested me – in your method to begin with was, was two things. Um, one, it seemed like you're unafraid of, um, what I'm going to call mobility. Uh, it seems like everybody on the other side wants everybody to be completely stuck upright, like a tree at all times, no matter what they're doing. And, and people will panic if you lean to the side or round your back and they'll just go nuts. Um, and then the other thing was this, this effortless, um, uh, effortless ability to do things. Uh, Bruce Lee talked about that, um, you know, back in the day that you should, everything should be effortless. And, um, I've applied that a lot to, uh, the stuff that I do in, in strongman. Um, and, and I've always found that it worked a lot better than what other people were saying. And if you, if you really pay attention to the top people, that's what they're doing. And I think there's been a, in the industry, a big disconnect between what the best in the world are doing in what people are running their mouth about. And, and when you said, uh, I don't remember what video it was, it was on Instagram. I think you were talking about, um, it might've been Deion Sanders or Hussein Bolt or something. And you said, this is how this guy runs. And when you watch it, it's obvious. I mean, you can, you can look at any of these people that are considered the fastest or the bestest runners or the best football players or whatever. It's very obvious the way that they're moving. And, it's so obvious to me that when these these scammers will say, you know, keep your torso perfectly rigid and all this stuff, well, nobody's doing that, and it should be obvious. It should it should be comp- as plain as day when they say, hey, pump your arms like this, and then you look, and, and you know, people watch football all the time, and you should be able to see these people. If you're in the NFL, none of them are doing that. I mean, <laughs> you know, even the worst guy in the NFL is not doing what these people are saying. It should be obvious, and I just don't understand how people are hearing this and seeing this and being brainwashed that this, what they're seeing, is what they're being heard. It's just not true. When you said that, it really clicked with me, um, because that sort of thing is what I look for. I think, like, who's the top 10 best in the world, and I want to see what is common between those 10 people. I don't want to pick the outlier, because I'm probably not the outlier, Um you know, maybe it'll transpire to that point or something. But usually, if nine out of ten are doing something, it will do that thing. <laughs> it should be obvious. Um, well, and and there's okay. Here's my theory why it's not obvious. Okay, and why why it's not even the scammers who are doing sort of the the you know preaching the wrong things. It's the best in the world are teaching the wrong things when it comes to the locomotive function. Like, so you get a guy, Michael Johnson, and if you know anything about sprinting, you know, he's a legend, right? Mm -hmm. So he set world records that were unbeaten for 30 years, right? Took Usain Bolt to beat his 200 time. And he will tell you, and at least he'll tell everybody, you know, in the world who's watching him on TV that Usain Bolt's all over the place. You know, he's going side to side and he needs the brace core. He needs to keep himself level and blah, blah, blah. Now let's go to the videotape, right? I go up on East coast. Warner Wolf was the sport. Let's go to the videotape, right? The video 
the video ain't gonna lie, but it can be misinterpreted. So that's the thing. The clock won't lie, and it can't be misinterpreted. So we got to start with the clock, and then we use that you know knowledge of the clock to say, okay, well, what can we now discern from the video? So if we look at Michael Johnson from the front, which is an angle that just is ignored, right? Well, we need the side angle because that's the angles and blah blah blah, right? They don't look at it from the front, but when you look at it from the front. Michael Johnson's going side to side. You know, he's going, he's going four to six inches from side to side. Shoulders going low, high. He's coiling his core as one must to run the fastest. But he's on TV telling you that you don't do that. So, I mean, it's like the, 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 it's, it's, it's blindness. And so when you don't know what to look for, then you don't see it. Right? And then... Couple that with the factor that sprinting is happening five steps per second. That shit's way too fast for you to see, so don't pretend that you see it, right? You know, you ain't telling me what's happening if you ain't looking at it frame by frame. Mm -hmm. And there used to be a debate long ago when men wore top hats and, you know, women worked in the kitchen, right? A horse, does it leave the ground with all fours when it gallops or not? This was a raging debate that, you know, bets were made and there were two camps, Christians and Muslims, and they're never going to agree. And then some guy did stop motion photography and said, ah, you see, he's off the ground. <laughs> Pay up. <laughs> so, and now all of a sudden it's obvious, right? So, so that's one of the factors. Now, another factor is human ingenuity, human brain power, human resources have always gone into relieving a human being of the burden of moving him or herself, right? So that's where the brain power goes, right? Took, took somebody to say, hey, you know, let's put an axle wheel together and let's just ride and let the horse pull us, right? Well, let's create a combustion engine, right? Let's create a bicycle. Let's create these roller skates, you know? Like, how do we make this shit easier, right? And the Donner Party, if they had had an airplane, they'd, they'd have not got stuck in the mountains and eaten themselves, right? They'd be there in five hours, right? And get a shooting wheel and go through TSA and all the nonsense to get there in five hours, right? Took them months and months and months, and they didn't make it, right? Because they didn't have the locomotive technology. So in the subject, the field of speed training, there are there are scrawny mirror resources going into that and not the best brain power we're trying to get to the moon and whether we did or not we're still trying to get to the moon right so that's where the brain power goes and because there's no money in sprinting if you're sprinting above the age of 25 you are a weird person or you are being paid a lot of money to do it right. you know the rich guy doesn't go you know if you're 45 you go to dicks to buy golf clubs uh, maybe cleats for your kid. Um, you know, you're looking for technology to make you better. You're not looking for track spikes and blocks, you know, and, you know, oh, how do I sprint? So, and distance running, that's where the money is, right? I mean, it's like, okay, there, if you look at a retail establishment, this is just probably new information for some people because they just never thought about it. And it's one of those elusive, obvious things. If you go, the way retail works is every square foot of the building costs something. So what is the return on how much money does that square foot make, right? And it's a science, right? And it, the grocery store is set up that way, and so is the sports store. So you walk into Dick's, what's the square footage devoted to? You have a back wall of sneakers that runs you through the gauntlet of apparel, right? And the deer piss for the guy who's going to buy that, the, you know, in the back left corner in the hunting section, 
He's got to go through the gauntlet, and he sees a sweatshirt that has some cool camo orange design that looks kick-ass, so he ends up buying that, right? And then he gets his deer piss or whatever he came to get, his fishing hook, right? <laughs> he, he bought a $2 fishing hook that sat on that shelf for like four months, right? It, they didn't make any money really on that, but they made their money because they ran up through the gauntlet. He ended up buying clothes, right? So that it's a, it's a clothing store is what Dix is. Right. And you go there for whatever it is, and then, you know, now you're exposed to the sell that, you know, you buy, you know, you buy your boots or whatever you buy, right? And then you get this extra big bullshit. This is really cool, right? And so that's the way it works. And the wall, the, the real estate is the shoes and the, the, the clothing. And the companies pay for that real estate. Like Nike buys the back wall, right? And that costs a lot of money, right? Because right? Dick's knows, hey, look, you know, we don't even have to sell the shoes to make the money because they're paying us to, to, you know, be a store within the store. Right. So, that, and that's the way it works. You always have to follow the money if you're going to figure things out. And, 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 and so that stems from the very beginning. You know, technology for locomotion is like footwear, right? When, when they figured out to wrap a deer hide or, you know, some, some bear hide around their foot, now you can traverse, you know, volcanic rock that would cut you to shreds, um, you know. And, and when you're in the, you know, the, the, the more uh, you know, tropical environments, you don't even need shoes, <laughs> Why am I going to wear them? <laughs> I'll make my feet hot. Right? So that's sort of the influence, and it just pervades all the way to this day. And so nobody ever took a, you know a step back to look at it until now. Yeah, like I'm a geek. I'm a geek. I see a beautiful girl walking down the street, and before I see the TNA, I see the way she walks. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's who I am. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> so just, just and then your observation, which is look. Pick up a fucking big stone and keep yourself neutral, like not rounded. I don't think anybody can do that. No, you can't. You can. and, and by the way, and, and by the way, you know, if you start there and you finish there, well, there was no slack in the system, so how bad was it? Right. And if you and if you try to set up there and now you end up compromising even a millimeter, well, now there's a, a stress that was worse than if you started there, and you can't pick up a stone without doing it. Right. So let's, you know what I mean? And then this insistence that, you know, you got to go ass to grass, otherwise you're not a functional human being. It's like, listen, that is predicated on you serve the snatch. Okay, that's what you're doing when you say ass to grass is absolutely essential. Otherwise, you are a dysfunctional human and you're a subhuman and you're not, you know, you're not the best because you can't do ass to grass. If a squat test is a test, you can't go ass to grass, right? A true ass to grass squat is I can sit here, wave a basket, build a fire, eat a meal and carve some arrowheads. <laughs> I've been sitting ass to grass for six hours and I get up like it wasn't anything. It was like sitting in a chair. That's ass to grass. And so when you serve this snatch, which if you can't get lower, you can't snatch as much. You're not going to set a world record unless you can bounce out of the hole <laughs> ass to grass, right? Because that's where you've taken the slack out. And so then you end up in this mobility conundrum where you're working against the skeleton, right? The soft tissue, eh, you know, maybe do a little bit. You know, if, you, if the neck of your femur, as it comes into the pelvis, just is not long enough, you're not some little Asian kid who can scrape his ass on the floor with his back straight. It, you know, you're, 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 a, you're a runner. You're a jumper. LeBron James can't hit parallel, okay? <laughs> you would have to break his body to hit parallel, let alone ass to grass. And so... It, the stuff, because there's, you know, there's, 
there's just the, I don't know, the prioritization. There is a lack of clarity in the prioritization. So you get these experts in mobility who are telling you that a requisite for running better is a deep squat. It's like, look, dude, you don't even know that you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You've got your priorities confused because there is nothing wrong with trying to be the best at the snatch, but just understand that you're working against yourself as a runner. If that's the, you know, if the master you're serving is range of motion down into the hole with the neutral spine that you need to be the power, those power lifters can't round over because they need to be stacked underneath it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's the confusion. It's not the lack of intelligence. It's the confusion that has led to this nonsense that you're able to ferret out because you're just like, wait a minute. And you said it perfectly. What are the best doing and what is the commonality to what they do? It's not the outlier who does this or that, but it's the commonality. It's the best place to start to at least test it. Right. Right. You know, yeah. and then and then if you think and then what I what I want to present to the to the world, the marketplace, is fucking one set infinite reps. What if you were never fucking clunky? What if you acted like a big cat where every single step you took was training to do it the best? Like, what if? What if you were never out of balance? Like, what if you just learned how to put your head over your foot when you went for a stroll down the street, right? Instead of walking like a freaking, you know, human being who doesn't know better. And, and, and you wonder why your lower back hurts when you're 35, but, you know, and there's many factors, but one of the factors may just be the fact that you've taken 5 million steps that were all out of balance and every single one was a little drop of water that you didn't feel it. It didn't matter in the moment, but after 5 million of them where the lumbar spine on the side that you got to swing through because you're not balanced, that's lighting up just a little bit more than it had to. Okay, you know, enough reps of inefficient behavior We'll beat the living shit out of you. Mm. And you're going to end up in a place you don't even know how you got there. Yeah, and I would argue that uh, any kind of damage done of that sort, um, you know, it seems like the body can handle trauma better than long-term uh, damage, for Man, sure. I like you. <laughs> this is our first conversation that you're saying things that, like, yeah, okay, I would say that. <laughs> yeah, the body just deals with it better. When you when you beat the shit out of it slowly over time, uh, it, it's it's a long road back to back to health. Well, and here's, here's how you can think about it, okay? So the function is dictated by the form, but the function over time will deform the structure. So, like, the short term, the function is dictated by the structure, but the long term, the structure is dictated by the function. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. So, and, and if, in case anybody didn't get that, I'm going to say it again. <laughs> right. So, your functionality is dictated by the structure. So, a wheel rolls, that's what it does best, okay? But if you do it with inefficiency, and you drag a wheel across instead of rolling it, well, now the structure is going to fundamentally change, and now that function is going to evolve into dealing with the inefficiency. Mm-hmm. And in a, human being, in a human being, the tension in your body is first and foremost protective. All right? So if, if you fell down, a mountain of a man fell down, you're going to crush your skull and you're dead. Okay, so your body's first priority is say, okay, don't let my head crash down from six foot five or whatever you are, right? (laughs) And now you have productive tension. You're getting shit done, okay, right? And so what you want to do is you want to marry 
and perfectly integrate protective and productive function. And to the extent that you are not productive, meaning you're inefficient, now you are engaging in protective tension, not to improve the performance, but to reduce the degradation in performance. Mm -hmm. So you're yeah. making up for something. So you're not, your output is less than if it were married to the productive and you're putting that low level stress, wear and tear on the body, you know, car tires, like, Hey, I want them to last for 60 to 80,000 miles. And if you, you know, if you don't go, you know, if you hit the curb or, you know, your, your significant other you know, backs over the curb, well, then you got to go to the shop and balance out the wheel. Otherwise, right. you know, otherwise you're buying, you know, more tires in, in 10,000 miles. I think the, uh, the irony of that situation is that in, in training, um, I'm sure it's in running. I, you hear it in strength training all the time. People say, well, there's a bunch of different ways to do this, and this suits my body, and, and this is how I should do this, and this is how they should do that. And and I find that that's only true for the outliers. It's not true for the majority of people. Um, wh what I think happens is, just like you said, the the their, their function is... Uh, out of whack or their structure is out of whack because of the function. And now instead of trying to go back to where they need to be to do it the way that most people should be doing it, they're trying to adapt a method that allows them to stay dysfunctioning and try to master it at this dysfunctioning, uh, in this dysfunctioning, uh, situation. And I think, well, most of the time that's a mistake. Now, maybe, maybe if you're 50 years old, 60 years old, and you've been doing this for that long, it might not be worth your time to try to go back and, and, and erase a lot of that dysfunction or whatever. And it might be worth just learning to work around it or deal with it. But if, if you're of a, of a healthy age or the dysfunctioning is fairly new, there's no reason you shouldn't um, attack that and try to get back to the baseline that, that human beings should be at and kind of learn to uh, move forward from there. But uh, yeah. pe people don't yeah, want to What do I that. would say on that is the way that I handle that, and I'm not really coaching people to lift heavier weights. That's not my specialization, right? I'll, I'll provide you the, the fundamental foundation to engage in that activity better. Unequivocally, you don't do my shit. You ain't going to be the best at your shit. That's, I'll say that and I'll stand up on that all day long, right? But I'm dealing with people who get faster. That's my passion. That's what I like. Right, multi-directional faster. It's not just straight ahead, right? Straight ahead is just where you start, right? A to B. How fast can you get there? Right. right? It's A to B, A to B to A, and then A to B to C to wherever the hell you want to go. Right? Those are the fundamentals. So, in that regard, what I like to say is this: this uh, expression uh, will fix you on the table, and in the meantime, we're going to optimize your performance. Right. right. So. I'm not going to make the mistake of, you know, making you come in second place because I'm imposing some structural, you know, you know, rule upon you that your body doesn't want to do. Right. So and, and high performance, there is going to be a health and longevity consequence to being the absolute best at, you know, competition. For sure. By definition, yeah. by definition, because sure. you're pushing to the limit. If you don't push to the limit, how are you going to be the best? So you got to understand that, you know, the, the health and wellness sort of longevity thing and your performance at some point, you know, they nexus, but then at some point they fork, you know, and then the idea is to, you know, do your best to, for, you know, lessen the distance between the divide there. But let's face it, you know, if you're running fucking Ironman triathlons, that's not good for you. 
<laughs> right. right? Right. You're cooking the system in order to win those races. And so, you know, there will be certain consequences to you for being the best. For sure. And and so and what I like to say is, all right, let's find the balance. Let's get you performing according to your unique structure. And then if we want to try to fix you, let's do that as a separate component with a long term approach that doesn't interfere with your competitiveness in the arena you want to be competitive with. And for the person who's not competitive, well, then basically what you do is you just you you limit the range of motion, do no harm whilst you fix them on the table. Right. Right? Because they don't have to compete in something. So, okay, well, I'm not going to insist that you go, you know, to parallel if, if you got to torque your body all out of position to go there. Right? right. But what can we do? What can we do to, you know, to, to make it so that you can go to the parallel? Right? So, oh, so yeah. that the next workout, we're a little bit closer to it. But let's not insist on something if, 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 if you can't do it. And then to address your, you know, sort of reality that if you're 65, well, it may not be worth your time. Well, that's because the body is plastic and you have deformed the body to handle that dysfunction. And there's not enough time on the clock and your tissues are more brittle. So you can't fix the problem at that point. Right. You know, the structure is not a wheel that rolls true anymore. Right. So let's deal, let's deal with that fact. Yeah, yeah. As a, you know, and it's this imposition on, you know, here's what it is. It's like there's three planes of motion. Now you start, you know, looking through a microscope and, well, oh, well, we have the transverse plane. We have the sagittal plane. So this exercise is a sagittal plane. <laughs> you, right? It's all three planes all the time. Right. 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 You know what I mean? And so oh, that, and that, and and in the athletic training for the people who train that, you know, oh well, we train better athletes. If you focus on transverse plane movement, and that's like, oh, we are training the transverse plane, so we want to limit the frontal plane and sagittal plane. Well, then you are sort of fundamentally trying to disobey the law of physics in just the bio, bio, you know, the anatomical and and you know, and biomechanical consequences of that structure. And so what you're really doing is you're twisting the spine. You're not rotating it. Right. I mean, listen, you're sitting at the bench in Denny's and you want to get the salt or ketchup on the table behind you. You're going to fucking side bend and rotate. <laughs> and the only, the only reason if you're a normal person, you're going to twist is because you tweaked your neck and you can't fucking rotate. So, you know what I mean? You're going to do it naturally. Right. And so now you go to the gym and some guy's telling you, hold neutral and resist the twist in a pow-off press. This is the best thing that you can possibly do. They don't even know that they're working counterproductive to function. Right. And, and, and that kind of bracing strength doesn't help you lift heavier weights. It reduces your ability to lift heavier weights because you need to pack the lats. And when you try to resist the twist in this, you know, this perfect neutral – you're taking the lats out of the game. Now it's all the little muscles of the spine getting discombobulated and a big reliance on all the anterior you know, core muscles without the lats. And, you know, when you pick up something heavy, there is a rooting to the ground and a skeletal fucking force. If you resist the twist, you're being uprooted. You need to fucking go to a figure eight, swing a bat in perfect neutral with your palms facing each other. Try to do it. Right. Right. That's that's called swinging with your arms. <laughs> right. You have to side bend. And now think about this. Go back to the very beginning when, you know, when 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 we had the first animals, these little, you know, single cell, you know, tiny amoeba things floating in fluid called water. Well, how do they get from anywhere? They start side bending frontal plane movement. Right. That's the origin. 
And if you put the system under that stress, remember, function will create the structure over time, right? You run that model for you know millions and millions of years or whatever. Now you get this ossification you know, of, of, of a segmented spine because that leads to efficiency in the side bending in the fluid because you're buoyant. You don't need to prop yourself up. So all you need to do is side bend. That's a fish. It's bison. So now when you're an amphibian or a reptile and your limbs are coming out like to the side, you're not you know, propping yourself up like a mammal. What's the first thing you do? You side bend and then you prop yourself up. In that moment, the spinal engine was born. It's like, okay, well, what's the first move? If, if efficiency is the law, which it is, it's sort of a Darwinian law, right? If you're burning more calories than you're taking in, you have a fundamental problem, right? So what do you do if you're laying on your belly like a reptile? You're fucking side bend. Your right arm just made progress, and you spent no energy to do it. And now you prop yourself up with this contralateral thing, which is easier to do, and then you, boom, you side bend to the other side, and blah, 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 and you have the crawling pattern, which is an overhand figure eight with the shoulders, underhand with the hips, and then you have to intercede with a tree or something to prop yourself up, because you're never going to get from four to two without the assistance of something to hold on to, right? So it doesn't go from crawling to walking, and even in an infant human being, it doesn't do that. They're hanging on the railing of the crib to hold themselves up vertical, to sort of get the balance that way. And then locomotion, upright, bipedal, it's an underhand figure eight with the shoulders, an overhand figure eight with the hips. That's what it is. That's okay, right? That's how we do it. That's the common thread, and it's head over foot. That's the common thread. The law and the truth is gravity, and head over foot with the coiling core is the biomechanical common thread. That's what it is, right? Yeah, and, that, that's, and that's, it, that's interesting because <clears throat> I think um, good, <laughs> and I stress the word good, good martial artists understand that. Um, well, okay, so let me just jump in. Fight and flight. Right. What's the most important thing that, you know, any species has to do? Procreate, right? You got to make more if the game, if the dance is going to continue and we're going to keep, you know, you know, being at the party here, it's the birds and the bees that are the priority, right? Birds and bees. Now, let's reduce it to how do we have to, you know, sort of keep the birds and the bees alive? Fight and flight, fight and flight. Those right. are the fundamental functions that serve the objective, which is to keep the species alive, right? It's just so simple, right? Boil it down to simple. So fight and flight, they are two sides of the same coin because they both are contingent upon efficiency. Mm -hmm. and, and locomotion is extremely simple, and it's essentially one thing. Underhand figure eights with the shoulders, overhand figure eights with the hips. That's what it is. Now, fight, on the other hand, is infinitely complex, it's figure eights in both directions. It's it's every single movement and blah blah blah. And it's a structural, you know, center line and A beats B, B beats C, C beats A. Styles make fights, right? So, but Usain Bolt is the fastest time. Fuck you, faster's faster, right? Mm -hmm. Oh well, no, uh, Justin Gatlin's faster. Well, actually, he's not, right? <laughs> well, you know, Floyd Patterson was better than Muhammad Ali. Well, Roy Jones in his prime was the most electric. But no, Mayweather's undefeated. You know, the you can't definitively say there's always subjectivity in fight, but it's the same fucking coin. But flight, so you, so where do you have to begin? You have to begin with the flight because it's so simple, right? You yep. know, you can't begin and build first principle physics on subjectivity. 
Yeah. You can't be you can't be certain that you are on solid foundation. But they both they both relate to you using your structure with a function that is most efficient, economical, powerful, balanced with gravity. That's what it is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. That's why I'm saying uh, good martial artists. Uh, you'll notice I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at um, slow motion video of boxers and, and TIE fighters and MMA people and whatever. Um, and in in boxing specifically, some of, some of the, the best boxers, um, they do a version of, you know, head over foot when they when they punch. The head travels over the foot. Correct. Um, and if, if it's something like an uppercut, they're doing um, essentially the coiling, uh, coiling core technique. Yes. I mean, you're, they're coming yes. out of um, any sort of upward punch or a punch from a crouched position or off of a bob and weave or something. I mean, it's plain as day. You can see this um, coiling uh, core that, that you, you talk about being used when they're doing this. Yeah, Mike, Mike Tyson is the quintessential example of the uppercuts and the hooks, mm-hmm. right? So, and basically, the coiling core is exhibited like this. It's almost like you put an extra joint on that side of the body at the ninth rib, right. such that when you're when you're coiling to the left to take yourself off the line, make your head a lot harder to hit. You are attacking with the hip and coiling away with the shoulder. So if you have a universal rotation where the hip is not attacking, you are further away from the target and you have less to draw from the ground. And so Mike Tyson was a master of that. And so, and what it leads to is it leads to this incredibly powerful uppercut that when you finish it, you're able to even switch your fucking stance. Right. So you're, you're only throwing power punches. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and that's the truth. That's what it is. And he was probably the best at that. Right, so if we can emulate what he did through the common thread and account for the fact that you're built a little different, so but you still have to find the common thread, which is the coiling core. Right, and, and that and that is just the way it is. I think too that um, something is noticeable with the coiling core in, in boxing is the people who don't move their head that way, right, and um, you see this more often in MMA because it's uh, the the game's a lot different. So yeah, you've got to guard against the takedown. So it's yeah. not it's not the sweet science because you know anything goes, and so you can't you can't get in the true boxer stance and throw jabs because now your leg is going to get picked up. Yeah. So some of their head movement, um, and, and I'll try to dance around, try not to dance around this, but they uh, their head movement it gets the job done, but their positioning is weaker. And you can see that when when they're getting um, if they're getting punched at, and, and an MMA guy is using the, their version of head movement, and there's any kind of collision, the MMA person is typically knocked off balance a lot more so than if if Mike Tyson is dodging punches and there's a collision. Most of the time, they would just bounce off of Tyson. <laughs> I mean, there would be no no absorb. He would just absorb and, and read read uh, direct that energy back to them. Whereas an MMA well, person will yeah, fall you're, over. You're right. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right about that. And that's just sort of the rules of the game that sort of dictate that. And so what happened for me was I used to be a huge sports fan. I delivered newspapers when I was a kid. And, you know, so I knew the Yankees, the lineup, the averages, the da-da-da. You know, I'd be reading the paper for that. And, you know, I used to run a sort of a, a gambling thing in, in, in high school where, you know, we – 
sort of, and you're up to date on all the spreads and all the places when you're in, when you're betting money, which is what basically keeps the NFL alive is fantasy football. And without that, who gives a fuck about you know, Cleveland Browns, right? So, you know, but if you're betting, well, then you need to know, right? right. So, so, but anyway, so my life has sort of taken this sort of mission where like, this is my 100% focus. I wear the same costume every day and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get this thing, you know, every step stronger for everyone is the mission and I'm going to get there. So that means I'm not really a sportsman anymore. Like we'll have like a pro baseball player in the lab and I don't even know who the hell he is. Right. Oh, he's yeah. in the world series, you know, like, okay, well, what's his name again? <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, but the one sport that I love to watch is boxing because it's the sweet science. And I absolutely love boxing. I like it better than MMA. Like I like boxing. Mm-hmm. So I'm a sucker. I shell out my hundred bucks to watch boxing. Right. And that's what I like to watch. So it, and so I, you know, just as a, a fan of movement, I love locomotion first and foremost, multi-direction, all things. And then I love uh, boxing because the restriction and the limitations of it give it this, like on a chessboard, there's 64 squares. There's not 150 squares. There's not a million squares. There's 64 squares, right? And the pieces can do this, right? You know, the, the knight does that, the rook does that, the bishop does that. So that, that containment gives you this sort of, uh, it attenuates the, you know, the, 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 the counter movements to the attacks. There is a certain precision with which you do it. And the MMA has so many factors that you cannot fully exploit one factor because it will, it will give you a vulnerability for another factor. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, yeah, it makes sense. So one of the big things um, that you've been pretty passionate about on your uh, Instagram and the videos I've seen is this, and I may say it wrong, this Paloff, Paloff Press. Yeah, the, the Paloff Press. And, um, and I see this all over the place. Uh, you know, the strength community, we don't, we don't really do that stuff. Um, not, not that I'm seen really anyway. Uh, it, it's just not something that I see strongmen or powerlifters doing. Um, I guess my question in regards to that is, uh, well, first of all, I, I haven't seen much, I don't see much benefit in it, period, but um, you're pretty adamantly opposed to it, and I'm wondering if there's any benefit to anti-rotational stuff. Um, I, I know, I get you're saying it's not as beneficial as um, some of the stuff that you have people doing or whatever, but do you think it's actually detrimental to do anti-rotational stuff? So, okay, so first of all, the terminology is confused in and of itself. So anti-rotation, that, that which it is labeled as, and the Paloff Press is sort of the quintessential perfect example that is sort of executing that principle or objective, right? So the Paloff Press is sort of your fundamental X on the map anti-rotation exercise, right? Now, when you're resisting a transverse only force in a neutral spine, neutral core position, there is absolutely no value in doing that. And it is counterproductive to function 
It uproots you as a strong man, which is why the strong man community doesn't do it because it is, it's not useful. It's a waste of energy and it is not useful for athletic movement where you are shifting your weight and rotating your body, which is sort of, you know, the underpinning of the three planes of motion. So the, the term anti-rotation is actually better labeled without confusion as anti-twisting. Okay. And the body is not designed to anti-twist because what you, in martial arts, the good martial artist, it's the figure eight. You never come to a stop and then try to resist from, you know, just a stop. It's just not what you do. Sorry for that ding. And I got, you know, people texting me all the time. That's all good. Um, all right. So anyway, people are going to tolerate that, but, uh, it, anti-twisting, if I am engaged in a grapple where we are engaged and I anti-twist, all of a sudden you know where I am and you can exploit that tension. It is not productive. It is extremely weak. It, you are you are the the, the, the intricate sort of uh, you know tiny little muscles on your spine that attach to your ribs and the transverse processes and blah 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 and there's like eight fucking ten you know origins and insertions on one little transverse process. Those are not designed to brace you still. Those are those are like you know guidance things that say okay. The articulation of these joints is the priority because we have the, you know, the, the fiber optic cable that, you know, that routes the signals to everywhere else. That's what we need to protect first and foremost. So we have to have all these tiny little muscles aligned to help the articulation of those bones such that we maintain the integrity of the, of the, of the neural signal through the spinal cord, right? That's our priority. So it has to be reflexive. You can't you know, flex your levator Kowski, you know, brevis on the six T vertebrae, you know, and <laughs> even the name, even the name of the anatomy is confused because it's a levator Kosti brevis or levator Kosti longus. Okay. So let's translate that from the Latin to, you know, stuff we can understand. So it raises the rib. That's the function of the muscle. Now, the way you get to that level of confusion is you're labeling these muscles from a dead body laying on the table and you say, oh, well, it originates here and it inserts here. Well, if it contracts, well, then it must raise the rib. Like, what? are you kidding me? Raise the fucking rib. <laughs> Breathing in raises the rib, right? And that right. thing will you know, sort of go along for the ride, but you're not raising your rib. You're fucking anchoring the spine to the rib so that you can make the little tiny micro adjustment that is like freaking playing Tchaikovsky on a piano. <laughs> and if it ain't that fast, that perfect, then you kink the cord and now you're in big trouble, right? And so it, doing the Paloff press is akin to taking both forearms and just slamming them down on as many keys as you can to make this cacophony that sounds terrible. And it doesn't, and the nervous system for good athlete, it's going to, you know, undo the discombobulation, you know, and, and so it's not, you know, it's not like hurting you, even though it is to some extent, but, you know, you are not primed to move your body well after a Paloff press. And, and because it took a lot of effort to do, right, and you had to brace and pressurize and, oh, my God, this is so hard. Like, oh, uh, uh, people associate that with good. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. But like you said, strong man doesn't do it because it uproots you. 
it's, it's not it's not a rooted strength. And a martial artist would recognize instantly because he'd get his ass kicked if he ever did it. You have to dip it and create the spiral so that you can take the take yourself off the line, right? If I resist the force, you know where I am. But if I can yield to the force with even a little micro yield, you've missed me. A boxer doesn't like brace to take it on the chin, and, and he rolls with that punch. He James Tony, right? Yeah. He hit he hit me, but he didn't hit me. And his extending to hit me put him in a position where I now can hit him solid, and he can't react and turn out of it, right? Yeah. And that's called, and that's called hitting him on the button and dropping his ass. So to play um, devil's advocate, then. Um, would this be an incorrect way to look at it? Because um, I kind of see the, the Palov press as a type of isometric. Um, yeah, it is a type so, of isometric that, that, that basically confuses the big muscles and confuses the little muscles. But would it not have a similar isometric effect that any other isometric movement would where by resisting the rotation, um, it would in turn make rotation stronger? Um, no, at least at no. least at 15 degrees of the angle no no because what you have to do to make the rotation stronger is actually rotate which means there's frontal plane flexion so if you were to set it to make a paloff press palatable at all you don't put the palms together facing you know vertical you would have to if you just turned your hands 90 degrees so you had one palm up and one palm down now you are coiling the core okay Right, so that you one lat, just to the way it spirally inserts into the humerus, a supination coils that side. Right, it's the swinging motion. Right, right. so you roll, you roll with the supination and pronation, and at some point you flip the rotation. Now, the problem with the Paloff press again with this is that transition doesn't come at the center line in neutral. That's swinging with your arms, so you never want to set up. With, you know, sort of your hands perfectly aligned, you know, with your xiphoid process, you know, in between the nipples, perfect, and sort of resist a twist. What you need to do is you need to differentiate. And the more you differentiate and create that strength, the more you have strength that is productive and useful. And again, it's it's based on this just this this confusion of of the construct of locomotion. You don't brace your core to run. Oh, well, we're moving forward, so we need everything to move forward. No, you don't. You need your center of mass to go forward in a straight line. But everything else has to spiral to make that happen most efficiently, and you need to land with your head over your foot. It's just what you have to do. You have to have underhand figure eights with the shoulders and overhand figure eights with the hip. Guess what overhand figure eights of the hip does? It increases the length of your stride, and it increases the distance of the foot strike in less time, which is faster. Right. Not to mention that you're landing with balance and not landing out of balance. So, yes, I am absolutely passionate that the Paloff Press is an exercise that will go away, okay? Because I'm on the center of the board now, and you have to first defeat me in terms of you, you run faster with weights now. And nobody can defeat that. It's objective. So now, all of a sudden, you're going to listen to the common sense that I'm saying, and guess what? The marketplace takes care of it. Do your Paloff press. <laughs> do it. I don't care. See how long you can hold your breath. Because so, the guy across the street's not going to do it. And guess what? 
the father who's paying you a hundred bucks to train his kid is going to say, well, uh, actually, we're, uh, you know what? We're busy. We can't make it next Tuesday. Hey, God, can you train? Can you add my kid to your schedule? <laughs> You're not doing foul off presents. So the marketplace will determine it. And it's akin to doing the Western roll in a high jump. If you do an inferior technique that does not perform as well, the money will take care of the problem. And, and what this also does is find me a high jump coach who specializes in the Western roll. Okay, go find me one. And you got an unlimited amount of time to do it. You're going to have to dig up a grave to do it. Right? You know, that person's no longer alive, right? Because it doesn't exist now. And guess what? When the, when the Fosbury flop, that's the high jump for anybody listening, where you go over the bar, like arching your back and your back faces the bar. It gets your center of mass over. It gets you over the bar and your center of mass never had to go over the bar you're arching your back in a way that the center of mass is actually below the bar but your body the mass of your body is getting over the bar and when you go over facing the front the center of mass now has to go higher than the bar and there's an advantage that you cannot afford to avail yourself from because nobody, nobody's jumping you know eight to twelve inches higher than everybody else that would be an outlier who's just like okay well he's a kangaroo and everybody else isn't so, so that is the phenomenon and when and the other reason why I so uh, vocally um, rail against the Paloff press is because it's good for my business. Because when you can now definitively change, there's profit in prophecy. And when I'm the only guy standing up saying what this exercise that you see in the athletic training facilities and the Globo gyms, they don't do it at CrossFit. Or maybe they do in the CrossFits that are more sophisticated, where we train athletes to rotate. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who's saying that shit's going away, okay? And because it's so pervasive, the power in that, now I'm standing on the center of the board even more. Yeah. It's like, holy shit. It's like, holy shit. That guy told us what was wrong, and he provided a solution. And the solution is X on the map. And now, if you do that exercise, you are irrelevant. And if you don't do the solution, you are irrelevant. So are, are, there, are there opponents of yours that are saying that running with weights is not faster? Are there people no, saying this? There's no opponents of me, of anybody who is known, nobody has stepped out into the public domain and said, Weck doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Nobody. And the only people, I mean, there's like four or five people who have, you know, they are, they are not known and they see an Instagram post and they haven't watched enough of them to do their homework to know better. Oh, well, you know, what you're teaching is going to destroy the biomechanics. And then I usually answer with something sarcastic, like, oh, God, you've revealed me. You know, thank God you saved everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because I know it's like, it's like a child coming into the ring. And it's like, right. okay, I, I'm just going to. You know, I'm going to toy with you a little bit. And you're going to go away, and you, you know, you're too ignorant to know what you don't even know, what you don't even know, what you don't even know. And every single time, it's you know, two or three comments, and then they go away, right? Because and I told them you're going to go, right? And it's it's humiliating, right? It's because now you're the you're the dummy who didn't realize it when it was presented to you, and da da da. And nobody who has any stock and equity in terms of their name and their brand to put butts in seats and have people buy your DVDs and your books and come to your seminars and get your shirts and all that stuff. Nobody's going to be foolish enough to get on record and say that the Western roll is better than the Fosbury flop. 
So, <laughs> and, and there's a certain predicament that you're in. The higher up you are on the food chain and the more years and, and, and better athletes that you've been coaching to brace the core and swing the arms, the harder it is for you to say, like, uh, guys, what, what I was teaching you all along is actually counterproductive. Like, that's a conundrum. <laughs> like, what do you do? When, when you have defined yourself at the top of the food chain, you're the best of the best. You're the most respected in the whole world. But you had them doing power-off presses and you had them swinging their arms and you had them doing all this stuff. Then now some guy comes along and says, ah, guess what? Game's changed. And, and, and that's what presents the opportunity for the young up-and-comers to say, holy shit, I can leapfrog the best of the best. Yeah. Because I, I don't have a vested interest in – in sort of the old inferior way. I'm not expert in the Western role with a pedigree based on the Western role. So now I can teach teachers. It's like the kids who help their parents send an email. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, it, and that's what's happening. And I'm a businessman, okay? I'm a businessman now. I started out as just a passionate individual who recognized an opportunity to, to make enough money to educate myself on an unprecedented scale. And now I'm a businessman. And, and I'm a simple guy. Right. All I need is a great place to live with, you know, ordering off the, you know, the, the left side of the menu and, uh, you know, providing for my family, which is a lot, but I don't need anything more than that. I don't need clothes. I don't need vacation. I don't need fucking cars. I don't need play. I don't need any of that shit. So my want curve is very uh, sort of defined that I don't need that much. You know, give me $10 million in a nice property where I can pay the taxes uh, without eroding the principle, and I'm as happy as a clam. Like I've achieved my objective, <laughs> so I don't need more than that. But I want—I don't want just seven zeros. I don't want eight zeros. I don't want nine zeros. I want ten zeros. I want eleven zeros because money is influence and power. And you wait—I'm—I'm I'm creating the category of handwear, right? I—I'm—I'm I'm like weeks away, maybe a month or two away from presenting the gloves, the propulse performance gloves that every single marathon runner, 10K runner, 5K runner is going to wear. And then I'm going to have sticky gloves for NFL. I'm going to have soccer gloves where you can run faster with these weights than you can without. So you can, you, and if they change the rules and say, hey, you're not allowed to wear them, well, great. you got to train with them too, and it's great marketing. Now, I'm going to fund all of my business efforts now on that. I don't need to borrow money, which means I don't need to answer to anybody, and I don't need to compromise my integrity ever because I don't have to. I don't have to jump when you say jump. Well, next quarter you better show these profits, or we're going to come in and seize your company. But fuck you, you ain't going to do that because I'm fucking in control, and I have a long-term perspective, right? Yes. That's that's what I'm going to do. And you wait till I build the shoes, right? Because right now the running shoe, we all know who it is. I don't even have to say the name, but high-heeled, cushiony soles that prevent you from running efficiently. They literally prevent you from running efficiently is what we've got. Right. We have we have a we have an activity that you were born to do, where eighty percent of you who are doing it are getting hurt every year. Like you want to talk about upside down because one company made everybody follow because they were the most successful, best brand marketing you could ever imagine that you could put us in high heeled, cushiony, comfortable shoes that don't let you move right. <laughs> that's an opportunity for a guy to come along and say, guess what? I'm going to give you shoes that make you do it the best you can possibly do it. I'm going to meet you where you are. I'm not going to put you in some barefoot shoe immediately and break your fucking bones. I'm going to fucking walk you to walk you to the best you can be. Right? So that's what I'm going to do. And then I'm going to do, and then I'm going to do brick and mortar facilities and I'm going to do education. 
I'm gonna fucking put my brand on Mars, bitch. It's me and fucking, it's, it's me and fucking Eli Musk. So that's the competitive nature that I have where I'm gonna do a shit ton of good in this world by making every step stronger for everyone. Because here's where we're going. And this is all, it's either true or it's not, and I don't give a fuck. It's a story I tell myself. We are going to a place where it is science fiction. The machine will become smarter than the man, and now we have lost control. And if you don't believe me, listen to Elon Musk and, you know, don't believe him. Well, put your head in the sand. It doesn't matter, right? AI is coming, and once we reach what they call the singularity, where AI now is in control and it's not the man, well, what I want to do is I want to get humanity to a point, you know, run the human race to the point where mankind at least can live with a balance of efficiency in their bodies that can hopefully set the tone for the mind and the spirit to prepare for that moment. And it's a fucking race, and we're getting close to the finish. And that's why I'm so passionate. I wake up every day with this mission, and that's why I post on Instagram like fucking, you know, Randy Macho Man Savage and the Juice Man. and fucking going crazy, right? Because it gets attention. But you know what? When I go on Joe Rogan, I'll be normal, and I'll talk about it. It's a fucking strategy. Okay, we live in an age where Donald Trump is the president, and we're contemplating if, you know, The Rock or Oprah is going to be next, okay? So it's a popularity <laughs> contest. If you've got nice tits, you can make a fucking fortune by posting pictures of them on Instagram, right? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a crazy upside-down world, and I'm just exploiting. Here's what it is. Everybody on this planet, there's more cell phones and smartphones than there are people, Right? Every one of us bows our head in deference, staring at the screen that Steve Jobs gave us, okay? So everybody's bowing down to Steve Jobs, and I'm just exploiting that medium to say, guess what? Let's lift our fucking heads up, right? Let's fucking lift our heads up, and let's walk head over fucking foot, right? Let's just do that, right? Because now you're not going to ache and fucking 80% of runners aren't getting hurt. There'll still be people get hurt, but not 80%. Right. And, and let's teach the kid, the, let's, let's teach the children well, not by teaching them, but by fucking presenting the situation where they absorb just the way they learn English, how to fucking move right. Right. I mean, let's, let's do that because that's generational change. And now we're fucking prepared to enter the realm of fucking science fiction with with a with a with an inner peace and confidence that comes from balance. All right, because the guy who slips on a banana peel, he could be as confident as shit, but in that moment, he's a scared little child because he's about to crash down. Right. <laughs> so, and you just take it to the extreme, and you're the one who said it. And I love what you said. It's like the traumatic experience could be less of a issue than the constant slow drip of you know the water torture of the inefficient happening every single day, right? That shit wears you out and you don't even know it's wearing you out. And then maybe you do need, you know, t 10 Budweiser's to take the fucking edge off, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, that's, and I, you know, and, and like me, hate me, don't care about me. It doesn't matter. Who cares? Like, it doesn't really matter. I got my friends and my family. That's, you know, that's what I want. And I just... I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And I think it is entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, you know, here's this fucking nut. Like, holy shit. And what happens, I have a tiny audience right now. But what ends up happening is, you you know, when you check your Instagram likes, which we all do, um, 
and I, and I see the person who now is like, you know, starts following you. And then I see that they just liked 20 of my videos. That means it's entertaining. Right. And that means that, that and that person's usually a shepherd who's involved in the industry at some point in time. Because reg, regular people don't give a shit about me. Right. You know, I need the shepherds who help those people because those people don't give a shit. It's like, right. oh, guys, going to run faster. I hate running. I ain't gonna run. Fuck that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. yeah. So, <laughs> so, uh, it seems like, um, you know, you don't have any opponents and you're pointing out all this, uh, these, these facts and you got, Visual evidence and all that. Um, and I have the clock. That's that's. I stand with the clock. Yeah. Because that that that's what I care about is the clock. Because it's not me now. You're not. You're not. You're not. Your ideas are not opposing my ideas. Your ideas are opposing reality. Right. And and nobody but the you know the novice who truly doesn't know better is going to step into the arena and and the ring against the clock. Right. You, know, you just, okay, well, okay, all right, sorry, okay, you know, you're not going to step in the ring there because it's not in your business interest to do so. So, do you have any um, thoughts on uh, more of the lower body action during running? I know that, and, and I, I don't follow a lot of the running stuff, but I know for a while, and I don't know how long ago this was, there was like the pose method with um, Romanov, and there was a guy that was like his opponent, and they were always arguing, and was running yeah. a pushing or a pulling mechanism and, and all this. Do you have any thoughts on any of that? Oh, yeah, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> so pose running disappears off the face of the earth because fall forward is about, you know, the, the dumbest cue that you can give somebody. <laughs> and, for, and, and for the person who says, wait a minute, you know, I went to the pose running clinic and it worked for me. Like running is better now. Okay, here's what happened, right? He cause you to at least stop and evaluate the situation and go slow for a moment, right? So you sort of took stock of yourself. He taught you to take your first 20 steps out of balance, and then your body found the efficiency because he slowed the whole process down, and you succeeded in spite of his instruction. Okay, that's what happened. And I'll show you the video of you running to prove it because you're not falling forward, your head's not in the middle, and you're not curling your hamstrings. You, when the, when the foot is in the air... You don't want the hamstring to be on. You want the hamstring to fly through without restriction, okay? And you want to use your hip flexors and you want to use your spine and your core and your lats to lift your hip up so you can land head over foot with power and balance, okay? That's what you want. And falling forward, if we look at a distance runner, when is the lowest point that they are with their center of mass in their head? It's when they're on the ground. And then where do they go from there? They go up. They don't go. They don't go down. You're not the road runner who's spinning your wheels behind you. <laughs> I wish we were, but we're not. It's a vertical force. You're running along, right? You're running along at your seven minute pace or whatever you're doing, and you hit a patch of ice. What's the worst thing you can do? Try to slow down, right? It's like okay, you could take three steps on fucking frictionless ice and still keep running. What's that mean? What's that mean? You're not falling forward and catching up. And so literally, and I'm telling you what it is, and you can believe me now or not, doesn't matter, right? It's going to be what it's going to be. Pose running, as it exists right now, goes away. Right? And it's nothing against Romanov. I don't care who he is. He could be a great guy. He could be a jerk. It doesn't matter. It's not a personal attack. It's pose running goes away. And so does chi running. Why? Because read the book. You fall forward and you curl your hamstrings. Well, actually, no, you don't. All right? 
and come to my clinic in 40 minutes you're a better runner for the rest of your life okay go to the bathroom take a break you know check your phone now come back and we're going to spend another 40 minutes just putting this into you so that every step you take is stronger <laughs> right who's better i am yeah holy crap <laughs> right and i'm not going to spend a lot of time dicking around having you stand still and finding your neutral and da 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 right because that, that's what you do when you you know what i'm saying like i've seen running coaches like spend like three minutes with a person standing right there and they're yeah. like okay put your hand here put your chin here okay well let me comb your hair like okay you're, you know what i mean it's like that's what you do when you don't know what to do that's the greatest right? th- that's the greatest thing i've ever heard <laughs> No, but you can see it go on the freaking internet. It's like, you know. Oh, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've definitely like, seen it. Yeah, I mean, it, oh, and then and then run in place. There's another genius idea. If you don't run in place. You're, 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 you're messing up the spiral dynamic of your foot if you run in place to set you to run forward. It's just like, no. And there's no such thing as like, you know, dead on heel strike, midfoot strike, forefoot strike. It's a spiral strike. You go from the outside to the inside. You start with the strong side of the foot and you roll through pronate to the long side of the foot. It's what you do unless you're such an outlier. Maybe you, maybe you have a club foot. You don't even have a foot. <laughs> well, okay, well, then you do something different, right? But if you're, if you're like everyone, <laughs> then there's certain fundamentals that apply and it's the spiral dynamic right the center goes straight the core coils the head lands over foot you land on the outside of the foot you spiral roll through the inside of the foot don't grab with your toes grabbing with your toes is basically your body's reflex so you want to do exercises that down regulate that reflex because grabbing is for climbing and on 2d locomotion grabbing sucks Grabbing is freaking, you know, plantar fasciitis. Grabbing is, is is shin splints. And you don't even know that you're grabbing because it's a reflex. And your coach told you to fall forward, which causes you to grab. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? It is literally a blind leading the blind. And mm. and I'm yeah. here to change that. This is my mission. It's my purpose. They I pray that my work is, I pray my work is God's will. And it's to prepare fucking humanity by running the human race with balance and efficiency so that you can make every step stronger. And here's the thing, with post running, you don't make people faster. And if you can't make a person faster, well, you can't make them faster. So if you want to affect running, you have to start at the top of the mountain where the water flows downhill. You have to understand how to make people sprint faster. Because if you can't make them faster, you can't make them faster. And what makes them fastest is efficiency. So you cannot make them faster unless you found the efficient, right? It's just fundamental. And now the water flows downhill, and walking, you don't even have to run, but you have to do the exercises that do make you faster, even if you don't run. But if you ever do run, you'll be faster. So that's the only way you have a prayer at fixing walking. Is if, if, if you try to fix walking and you don't understand faster, well, now what ends up happening is you're pretending and the person doesn't have enough sensitivity to even discern the inefficiency. Well, do this, do that, you know, stand this way, fall, do this, right? It's that person doesn't feel like a, like a tuned athlete feels, right? And then you watch these actually like Deshaun Jackson. He's a super fast NFL guy. Okay, let's see him do his whole prep warm-up, A skips, B skips, you know, the center, you know, core brace, swing the arms. All right, well, let's watch him actually now play. He's right. doing it completely different. Oh, yeah, he's, yeah. Doing, he's doing what I teach when he does it, 
but he's warming up the way that the experts teach, which is not helping him to the extent that it could help him. Yeah, you and, see that. You see that in every. Yeah. You see that in strongman too. I see that all the time. Um, but I think it's a curse. The curse of being a, a natural. I think to some extent. Um, but I wanted to point out two two uh, things, and then um, we're about out of time. Um, grabbing the ground uh, is a thing that they're doing in um, Olympic weightlifting. Some coaches say to grab the ground when you lift, and um, they they ran some uh, studies on this, and they determined that when you grab the ground with your toes, that's what you do when you're off balance and you're falling. It's a instinctual thing. It's a reflex. Yeah. So when you do that, if you're not falling and you grab the ground, it will send a signal that that might be able to be trained out of you. But initially your body will think you're falling and it will limit power production because you don't want to increase your power output when you're falling. Um, Here's Here's what happens. So basically, when you grab with the toes, you're cutting yourself off from the long tendons and the muscles that originate way higher up, okay? Now you're using the little intrinsic muscles of, like, within the foot themselves to grab the ground, and you're cutting yourself off from flexing your ankle to to get up more proximal, where you need to harness the force, right? right? And it was super, super useful when you were climbing a tree. That's when you want it to grab. And if you look at like, you know, primates, they grab really well with their toes, right? Now, we still, if you touch a baby on the floor, they're going to grab the toes because the vestigial reflex, we haven't had enough time to wean that out of us as a reflex because we spend the, the proportion of time that you are walking around on two dimensions versus the proportion of time that you are grabbing with your toes is probably a million to one, Right. Like, when is the last time you climbed where you needed to grab your toes, right? right. It, it, years and years and years ago, right? So, so it, it, it's not productive. And it doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't be able to do it. But if you make the, the foot long and strong, you will be good at grabbing, right? But if you make the foot short and strong, meaning you have the toes flexing, well, then you're not long and strong. You've created slack in the system. And that's not – it cuts you off from proximal. So the, 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 uh, there's a famous exercise by Yonda, right? It's the Yonda short foot. And Yonda is one of those mythical figures in you know, the world. Like Yonda, Vladimir Yonda. Oh, that's an exotic Eastern name, Vladimir Yonda. The short foot, you know, to, to contract and raise your arch. It's like, dude, there's something called the wind last mechanism where if you extend and spread your toes as far as you possibly can, you'll actually get the arch up higher than if you try to squeeze your foot short. The, the short foot is, it's like the Paloff press of foot exercises. Like it's just a dumb thing to do that is being parroted over and over and over and over again because nobody stepped back to just see the common sense in it. Right. Have you heard of it? You, you got to have first principle physics. First principle physics. Don't do it because your teacher told you to do it. Do it because it rests on the foundation of reality. Right. All right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there was a um, a runner, man. I can't remember his name. Um, Piro, I think. There's a famous. Uh, they used to do a breathing thing, and they would say "puff puff Piro" or something like that. And he he ran marathons, and he. He was actually very successful at multiple distances, and that was like his claim to fame. I think he had like a record in the marathon and maybe the everything under it, basically. 
Um, he has a free running book online you can download. It's like a little 10-page ebook, and he ran way back in the day. Um, and in his book, he talked about a bunch of stuff that people talk about now. So he was like one of these guys that was ahead of his time. Um, he talked about um, how most shoes are garbage, and, and he had a very a strong opinion on shoes. He had a uh, very strong opinion on distance running and sprinting and how um, you could do both to make each one better. Um, but one thing I think that you two uh, specifically said that kind of correlate was he talked about walking. And he said that most people's walking is detrimental to their running. And he said that he yeah. would he, he said he would almost... Yeah. He said he would almost rather take a trainee and just tell them, you're not walking anywhere anymore. He said it was that detrimental. Like, you'd be better off getting in a wagon and just be pulled around town. And That's then, hilarious. Well, now, here's, he, oh, I love that. And you're going to have to text me or email me his name so I can read that book. Yeah. I never even heard of him. So here's the deal with that. When does a big cat take a step that is out of balance and when does a big cat move fast okay he it, the big cat is Deion sanders right it is the absolute the fastest guys are the slowest guys right the fastest guys take their time to go answer the front door right they move with balance they got the swag underneath it all right, right. and a big cat Every single moment, it's the one set infinite reps philosophy that sort of that that's that's the essence of WEC method is let's make every step strong, right? Right. So that walking that walking doesn't impede your progress to be powerful, right? And now let's make you want to be really, really fast. Learn how to run around with with no effort. Let your upper body drive and send the force that your up that your lower body doesn't restrict. Right. If if you are swinging one arm up before you have hit the ground with your maximum force, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? You're missing the point. You're missing the opportunity to load the ground. It's just, it's just so foolish. Now, look at your great, 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 and a million other greats granddaddy. He was carrying a big stick and he couldn't swing his arms. He couldn't swing his arms. The guy who swung his arms, you're not related. He died. <laughs> right? right? right. So you come from those who knew how to pulse both hands down. Right. That's who you come from. Yeah. Right? And now your running coach and in the, in the collective consciousness will swing your arms. One up, one down. Sit on the ground and swing your arms. And 90-90, cheek to cheek. You know, don't, don't, ding, ding, ding. It is just, it is, it's, uh... Uh, <laughs> it's just it's it's not it's not for a lack of intelligence it is confusion yeah it's just confusion that's all it is it's confusion and then like you said at the very beginning step back know what to look for and then it's just common sense you don't need some physiology degree to to freaking understand these things no, Just look at it, right? Step back. And now the guys with the physiology degrees and the million-dollar laboratories with high-speed treadmills and 5,000 frames per second who come to the conclusion that stride frequency is a constant, it's universal, that little old ladies take just as, you know, they take the same rate of stride as Usain Bolt and Tyson Gay. Like, oh, my God. Like, uh, that's not a mistake. That's a misunderstanding. Right. 
if you say adductor when you meant to say abductor, because, you know, that little thing or, you know, varus and valgus, I still mess that up. <laughs> you know, why can't we just talk regular? Knees yeah. in, knees out. Like, you know, why do we have to say varus? Right. Do, are, we, are we trying to impress those around us? Or, like, what's the point? Right? <laughs> oh, I agree. It make, it, it, <clears throat> when you do the, what you don't want to do is you don't want to create some little mental hitch that took you two years to create the little mnemonic that you could figure it out and not have to think, and still get it confused when you haven't thought about it in 10 years, just say something easy, right? Like, why the fuck are we doing that as an industry? We're, what we're doing is we're, we're sort of looking at it microscopically to look at like, you know, one little inch of bark on the tree, when what you need to do is you need to step back and see the forest. Right. Right. It's, it's just, if you come to the conclusion that stride frequency is universal, it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. <laughs> right. Your buddy at the bar is going to hit you over the head with his Budweiser can and say, dude, wake the fuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let's go out in the parking lot right now. Right? <laughs> Just, you know, you want to bet? <laughs> you're buying rounds for the rest of your life if, if, you're, if you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, cool. That's the one who's influencing what the coaches do because they're, if, if your first response to what somebody is saying is, well, where's the science? You are in a trap that is like quicksand. Right. Well, where's the, where's the science? Well, we took 19 runners and we had 10 of them do this and nine of them do this. And we did it for six weeks. And now we've come to the definitive conclusion. It's like, dude, come on, really? And, and to make matters even worse, all it takes is common sense to know that that study is nonsense. It's like, oh, but yet you cite it, right? Oh, no, no. Well, we have the science. It's, it's just... <laughs> I mean, good God, good God, and it's uh, trust me, it's all changing. So I've taken off the asshole hat, and now I'm just sort of attacking the ideas, and I'm not making fun of the people who. And it really, what it was, I, I'm a kid from Jersey, and you don't fuck with Jersey, right? <laughs> Jersey, Jersey is the fucking armpit, and if you cut that brachial artery, you're gonna fucking bleed out real fast, and you ain't got your hands, okay? <laughs> That's what Jersey is. We control the fucking hands. We can yeah. cut off the hands anytime, right? Yeah. We slice that. We slice under the armpit, and that's it, <laughs> right? New York calls Jersey when they need to get shit done. <laughs> Hell okay? yeah! And that's and, that, and that's who I am, right? I come from that culture where where again, it's like you. We will die trying, right? We will try. We will. We're either gonna win or we're gonna die, right? We burn the boats from New Jersey, so. <laughs> I had to get that out of my system, the fact that there were people of influence in the industry telling everybody that BOSU balls were bullshit and providing definitive science to back that so that now you get some guy 11 years later who's teaching the best of the best. And, well, the science says, you know, if you ever even, you know, you don't even want to look at a BOSU ball because that much exposure will make you weaker and slower. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You know, it's just, and, and then it justifies sort of the... When I started lifting weights, it was based on insecurity. I was skinny and I wanted to get bigger. Like, you know, Charles Atlas had that fucking, you know, he got sand kicked in his face, you know, and right. Sally didn't like him. So he did my dynamic, you know, isoflexion. And now he showed up to the beach and he, you know, he kicked, you know, he kicked the shit out of Biff. <laughs> so right. a, lot, a lot of guys go into it for the aesthetic insecurity and then the, hey, I don't want to get beat up insecurity. And I was no different. Like, I wanted that, right? And, a lot of guys never grow out of that, and they and they succeed at getting really, really big, right? You know, so so you got some guy who's twenty six, and you know he's a monster, but he's fifteen mentally, right? <laughs> so 
You know what I mean? Like he hasn't resolved the fact that it's like, look, dude. And then, you know, and, and the irony is, is the more prowess you get, that's the, that's the best remedy to confidence and, you know, growing out of your adolescent mindset. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. The more, the more badass you are, if you, if you possess the ability to kill somebody at will, (laughs) right. It tends to make you a nicer person. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we're about out of time. Um, I want to thank you for being on the the podcast. We'll definitely do this again. I think um, I have a lot more stuff to more questions now. You know, the more knowledge leads to more questions. Um, uh, I am going to put into practice some of your stuff, so I'll tag you in some videos here in the coming weeks. Perfect. And, um, Perfect. Yeah, I want to I want to personally thank you for being on the on the show, and uh, we'll definitely have you back on. And anybody looking for. Um, any of the stuff we've talked about, the new elite Bosu ball or the WEC method, um, check out the website. Um, you know, check out the Instagram. Uh, yeah, really, go to the Instagram because, and then watch watch some of the background Instagram because it's fun and it's only the sixty second format. And so, what happened was, I was on Facebook, and apparently, on Facebook, you're not allowed to promote business on a personal page, right? And I was doing analysis videos of like, you know, taking a sprint video and then doing an analysis to show exactly what it is. And I think it's some combination of that that they kicked me off Facebook, right? Maybe it was copyright infringement or maybe, hey, you know, you're promoting your business on a personal page, right? You're not paying us ad rep. Even though my company pays Facebook a ton of money to advertise successfully, so it's a win-win relationship. Like Facebook, I'll pay you money all day long if it helps me make money. We're both winning, right? Right. But my personal stuff, which is sort of the razor's edge of get this shit on the map, they kicked me off, right? So, okay, well, now I got to go to Instagram. Jesus, I don't want to. Well, how the hell do you do Instagram? And Instagram, there's a 60-second six, limit. And when there's a 60-second limit and I'm the guy who will do a this podcast went longer than we anticipated, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I'm the guy who will talk forever. So my Facebook posts for like 40 minutes, but – Instagram, 60 seconds. And that's why I have to be the juice man. I got to fucking bang, hit the ground running. 60 seconds. And I'm looking at the clock and I see 57, 58, 59. And I got to finish it up, right? So there's a lot of fun and there's going to continue to be a lot of more fun on these posts. So if you're out there, check it out, you know, and and just, just, you know, if you want to, it'll be a lot of fun, right? And I mean, remember when Jim Carrey, did that like in living color making fun of the juice man i don't know if you ever yeah. remember that yeah yeah but i remember a, that you know I, I used to watch the juice man infomercial just because it was so funny right mm-hmm. the guys going fucking nuts and so that's what i'm doing and i'll eventually go out i was an actor so i mean look i can turn it off i could be normal but it's fun right it's fun and then learn something from the shit right, <laughs> there's, right. there's a method to the man is this juice you drink this fucking juice you're better <laughs> so <laughs> Anyway, th- listen, I want to thank you, John, for the opportunity to talk to strong people. Oh, okay? thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, uh, I'm going to look into getting uh, one of these elite BOSU balls at the gym, and we'll see what's going on with that. And, um, yeah, I think it's been a it's been a learning experience. We'll definitely have you back on here um, here in a few weeks and, uh, yeah, and see what's going on. I'm interested, right. especially once your gloves and stuff come out, I'd like to touch back base with you and uh, – well, here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. The 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 Pro Pulse. We changed the name to from Pulsers to Pro Pulse Trainers and Pro Pulse Gloves because you know trademark issues and stuff. Um, and it's it, you know ultimately it sounds cooler. But um, <laughs> you're 
we, we'll talk after this, you know, sort of offline in our private conversation, and we'll I'll get you running up to speed with the things that are necessary. So you know, it's the next best thing to uh, to, to the in person stuff, and then maybe we even schedule an in person stuff sooner rather than later. But um, I'll get you running up to speed, so by the next time you can speak from a position of like knowledge of like holy fuck, okay. right? yeah. That's what we'll do. Cool. All right. Awesome. Thank thank right. you so much. I'm I'm actually got to run to my 11 o'clock. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got you. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, thanks again. Uh, this has been John the Viking Mauser with the Get Strong or Die podcast.